Good evening, America, and welcome to a new episode of Ben Speaks. I am your mostly forgettable host, Chris Blakeman. Thanks for hanging out. It's been a very long time since I last did a podcast. I know that most of you have not lost any sleep because of this, but that's not really consequential. I have been going through a lot of stuff, just like the rest of this country has been going through a lot of stuff. Um, We are living in a bizarro world, and I think I'm starting to make some sense of it, but it doesn't really make much of a difference. Uh, It is no secret that uh, I have very strong convictions that the left is a very destructive force and history has shown in perpetuity that nothing about the left ever creates anything good. They are wholly a destructive force. I don't want to go through every evidential piece and show how this is exactly true. Because there are tons of other things that I can talk about. But I'd like to focus on something that's a little more personal, at least to begin. So something endearing, I reckon, is probably a good way to jump back into this show. Uh, for all this time, I have been wondering what it is I could actually put a finger on to even talk about. Because things under this Biden administration are whipping by so fast. And it's precisely how it's meant to play out. Um, I don't want to dally too long, but the Cloward and Piven strategy is alive and well in America. Um, You may want to look that up if you don't know what it is. But basically, in a nutshell, it's a scheme to overwhelm the government, whether that be in an economic way or an ideological way. To bring it to its knees. To bring the economic aspect of this country to its knees. To bring the governmental aspect of this country to its knees. To create a more gigantic state than we currently have. And what we currently have is nothing even close to what our founders intended. Not even close. Everything written in our Constitution and Bill of Rights is to exactly forego the power of the government to take any of our rights away. And all this government has done is slowly erode our rights. There's a sad, sad reality that it does take an educated citizen to properly understand their rights. And without that citizenry, we have no one to stand up for the rights in overwhelming numbers. We just don't. We, we have grown so content with allowing these politicians to be our voice that we have failed ourselves exponentially. And this, this, this has a start date that precedes most of us. In fact, I, I don't even think it's fair 
in some aspects that I even raised this point because honestly, up until the last 10 years, I'm just as guilty as everybody else. And there's a lot to go into there, but I'm going to plow a little bit forward. So my oldest son, Logan, came home from school uh, yesterday and Logan's a very strong-minded kid. He is uh, kind of what you would call a chip off the old block. And I'm proud of that in many ways because if I have struck a chord ever in my child's brain, it is to think critically. You don't have to agree what I believe. Just think for yourself. Don't be a fool. Don't be a clone. And, and he, by and large, he does that. Now he has uh, severe libertarian leanings. And I um, mostly chalk that up to the fact that he's 20. And he's not owned anything. He's not procured anything. He's not earned anything. He's not been taxed to the hilt. He, he hasn't really taken... Uh, any involvement in civic duty. He is um, fortunate to be starting off as a libertarian and not as a um, leftist. So on many levels, I probably am just about as proud as I could be. Now, it's a dangerous thing sometimes to consider yourself a libertarian because of the loose infrastructure of that ideology. Um, I agree with a lot of um, core principles, but by and large, it's very laissez-faire. It's very, very loose in its definition. Uh, Ayn Rand probably was the most constructive of all libertarians. If I could pick one out of a crowd, I would say she probably deserves the most credit. And she probably understands it better than most because she grew up in a communist society. It's pretty easy to become a libertarian when you grew up under severe oppression. Now, we're sitting in my garage and I'm, excuse me, I'm working on my Harley and we start having a conversation. My, my son is studying psychology and I'm, I'm very curious about that because although I have not spent a moment studying psychology uh, in a classroom setting, I'm 46 years old and I've lived a pretty full life at this point and I know people well and I know character well and I know instability when I see it because I also have a son on the autism spectrum disorder and I've also dealt with that. So you, you get to learn some pretty neat things when you have a dichotomy quite like that. Now, I have a lot of strong beliefs, and, and he's learning science, or a soft science, if you will, but it was, a, it was a peculiar conversation because we touched base. He allows me to try to dodge the political aspects of some of the things that we're dealing with today and create a conversation that's a much more personal one so that we can forego my uh, Judeo-Christian values. We forego my political 
slant. And we try to have these conversations based on common sense. And, you know, um, Paine had it completely correct. And if you hadn't read Sir Thomas Paine's Common Sense, do yourself a favor. Um, It's a different time, so the language is a little different. But do yourself a favor. Because, honestly, one of the most astounding things, also one of the most simplest things that are missing in this society as we know it, on a grand scale, is common sense. So, I'll give you an example. Um, Something we talk about a lot. Logan wishes to be a therapist. So, in so doing, his goal in life is to help people mostly validate their existence so that they can help themselves, pull themselves out of their malaise or out of their depression or, or strengthen their esteem or whatever. Help themselves, right? Help themselves feel um, justified for being a part of this thing called life. Um, and I commend that. I do. See, it's, it's, uh, it's people like that who exercise the one thing that this country is really known for, and that's compassion. And compassion is something that America has outdone every country in, hands down, for an extremely long period of time. Compassion comes with um, a few caveats, though. Um, so one of the things that I've noticed over the last 20 years is that the United States has come a long way. Actually, let's go even further, 40 years. The United States has come a long way in, say, gay rights, right? Um, there was a time when, um, when there was a persecution, if you will. I'm not sure it was, um, very radical. I just think it was, uh, a, a kind of a byproduct of uh, a strong Christian value base amongst the majority of the country that created a vitriol for homosexuality. Now, is that abnormal? No, it's not actually. Go to any Muslim country, right? You're going to find that even in our most contemptuous days, we are actually way more compassionate than most uh, Muslim countries. And that's just, that's just tipping the iceberg there. Now, this country has come a very long way, and we are experiencing things in this country that go far, far beyond acceptance of homosexuality as um, human, right? We, um, I think uh, most of us don't give a shit what Adam and Steve do. We, we don't really care, you know, what what anyone does, what we really don't want is we don't want it in our face all the time. So Logan and I start talking and and I start posing some questions like, wouldn't you agree that if you base your entire existence on a thing, then you're kind of missing the bus on existing. So most specifically, I would say if you base your entire existence on being a transsexual don't you kind of miss out on the other human characters that make you worthwhile in a society? 
And I'm glad I stumped my son. Because when you follow a flight path or logic like that, it's easy to it's easy to rope in a lot of other similar um, uh, labels. Like if you if your most important quality is that you're black. Doesn't that ring any bells to anybody else that uh, we are no longer focusing on content of character? We are simply focusing on color of skin. And if that's the case, aren't we going backwards? I mean, honestly, uh, so the way I see it is tribalism is fairly natural. It's almost impossible to completely erode that out of society. It is one of the most natural, naturally occurring phenomenons within the human race. Does it make it right or wrong or whatever? It makes it as right or wrong as a male is born with a penis and a woman is born with a vagina. You can speculate and you can argue all you want about how wrong or right that is, but that's basically how it boils down with tribalism whether it's wrong or right. Is it good or bad? Well, there's some good and there's some bad that come with it. I would say that um, if it's not an overwhelming feature in your life, then there can be a lot more good than bad out of it. So if, for instance, the left views the world or the right as being very tribal, you know, um, clinging to their guns and their Bibles. Where is the cry for hypocrisy or at what point do we start pointing out the irony that um, the left is very, very responsible for tribalizing the LGBTQ, the Whatever else is tacked on to the end of that, I'm not really 100% sure because that's not my bag, baby. Um, Also, the left is full-throated in the support of Black Lives Matter. Um, Again, that's another form of mass tribalization. And you get a lot of these young dunderheads that really don't know how to balance, how to survive in a constructive society and not be vitriolic to anyone other that doesn't look like you. Okay, so now, now we have a, a political ideology in this country that is now forcing the mainstream to accept segregation. Stop me if you've heard this before. And ironically, but I'm probably not unnecessarily... Um, improbable or impossible, it's the same political party that used race as a crutch once and it used race as a means to go to war once. We could argue states' rights for the South. I'm okay with that argument. But by and large, they viewed blacks as property, their property. So they, they don't 
They don't really get it. The, the history seems to be lost on these people who continue to do the same things over and over again. And it's crazy because honestly, they're, they're playing two sides against the middle. And no matter how many, how many tribal groups that they get, it still doesn't equal the majority of the country. Now, like it or not, statistics bear out that blacks are 13% of the country. Not 100% of blacks are leftists. In fact, historically speaking, most of them weren't to begin with. There was a big shakeup, thanks Lyndon B. Johnson. But then as time goes on, people are waking up. There's other forms of media to be gotten to, and they can get the truth. The Democrat Party, the left, who have hostage or taken it hostage, are now playing the same games as the great society was once. And no matter how hard they push this button, no matter how big of a hammer they try to smash this square peg into a round hole, ultimately, it doesn't equal the same amount of people that actually make up this country. We're talking about a very small group of people. Very small. Transsexuals make up one one-hundredth of the population. Gays don't even make up, you know, 5%. Maybe they do. You know, I'm not gay. I don't hate gays. But at the same time, because I'm heterosexual, I have a very heterosexual outlook on things. And... 90 plus percent of the people I meet are not gay. So, again, what we're seeing here is um, it's like a shell game. And the only reason why it seems so big, so overwhelmingly big, is because of media dominance. What is the end game? Is it, is it to force compassion? Because if it's to force compassion, if, if I held you in bondage, does that make you want to be more compassionate to me? So when you have a government that's forcing these things down your throat, does that make you compelled to be more compassionate to anybody? It actually most of the time creates a situation that I referred to in my first podcast called The Law of Unattended Consequences. It creates a repulsion. And I've witnessed it in people over the last four or five years. I've witnessed them change their character. They're watching these riots. They're watching these ignorant people that live in these urban dwellings raid, destroy, loot, and menace their own communities because of the court of public opinion. And so many times have we seen that the facts that they've been given are fabricated. They're not true. We're seeing mobocracy. And when you see mobocracy, it makes you think more lowly of those people. And when you have a tribal mind, which the human brain is, you start identifying all people that look like that 
as the same type of person. I try very hard not to allow myself to fall into this trap. But if you think it doesn't happen, well, then you're just a saint. Better than everybody else. I'm not really sure, but I can tell you right now, it has an effect on people. Now, the media has played a role in destroying anything good that can come from the compassion that science is trying to show some of these people. And when I narrow it back down to the conversation that my son and I were having, we mostly, we mostly talked about how a lot of people that are transsexual suffer from a great many other disorders other than, let's call it, gender dysphoria. They suffer depression. They have had, a lot of them have had um, sexual trauma in their life that that, uh, only exacerbates the problem. And then you have the media glamorizing. And that encourages the mental illness. It creates a Pandora's box. And it creates sane people to become and act as if they're insane. For instance, in Canada now, there are laws against parents who don't want to allow their adolescent child to transition to a race, a, a, a sex that they were not born as. That's a fetid, wretched, horrible way to raise a child. That's child abuse. A child should stay a child until they're old enough to be an adult. And when you're an adult and you're paying your own bills and you're, you're paying your own mortgage and your car and you've got a career and then you want to you wanna have a fetish or you want to be uh, whatever you want to do, well, you have every right to do that. That's a God-given right. But until then, having a government demand that a child be able to make decisions. Well, that's a sign of the times. And the times are that we, we are not living in a, in a time of science. We are living in a time of political science. And it's driven by mobocracy. It's driven by democracy. A great many of you that would listen to my show do understand that I view the word democracy as a derogatory term. Not that I'm a fascist or something like that, but honestly, if you break it down to its roots, democracy is not a representative republic. It is not law and order. It's about if they want it, they take it. That's a mobocracy. So when you have judges or you have doctors or you have institutions within this country or you have um, corporations that are afraid of the mob, well, then they'll endorse things that they may not really have really given a whole lot of thought to. At any rate, we're, we're sliding on a really, really slippery slope right now. And I'm not 100% sure how to fix that unless we have a, a renaissance. 
we have to wrangle up science. There has to, we have to go back to pure understandings of controlled environments. Um, the idea that um, you can simply say COVID did not originate from Wuhan, China, that's a lie. But a great many people have decided they don't want to denigrate China. So they denigrate somebody else, like Europe. How fucking stupid is that? Do you know Lyme disease came from Connecticut? There's a town in Connecticut called Lyme. It's where the first case of Lyme disease was. Are we going to change the name of that because we don't want to uh, disparage people from Lyme, Connecticut? No, we call it Lyme's disease because it's from Lyme, Connecticut. When we start losing a grasp on words, words matter. When we start losing the grasp on words mattering, we start to live in a bizarro world. I'll give you another example. Recently, the very suspect John Kerry came out and said that no matter what we do for climate change, We'll still never get enough uh, carbon out of the atmosphere. Carbon is plant food. We want to take it a step further. We are a carbon-based life form. Any known life form is a carbon-based life form. You can't escape that. There is no alternate reality where carbon isn't essential for life. But there are lunatics that believe that somehow if we bring this country back to pre-Columbian times, you know, ships with sails, horses, not cars, no electricity, Fuck your Wi-Fi. You don't need that anymore because ultimately that creates carbon. Everything's a carbon footprint. And you know who enjoys that? The sea kelp, which creates 90% of the oxygen on the planet. The dry forest, which is grander and more large than it's ever been in human history. The rainforest loves carbon, loves it. Eats it literally, eats it right up. And here we are with thought leaders that are twisting the words, changing the meaning. And I don't know who to blame more, them or the wholly ignorant masses that continue to buy into the farce that somehow we have the power within us to affect a gigantic planet that is 4.5 billion years old, give or take, that has been through more catastrophic events than you can possibly begin to write down, ones we don't even know of because, well, we've only been here for, what, 
Some say 100,000, some say 10,000 years. How? How embarrassing is this? How can we ever allow this kind of fuckery to exist? This is this is such propaganda. And we have so many people in this country who are so woefully uneducated that they believe whatever they see on the headlines of USSR Today or the New York Slimes or the Washington Compost. They don't care to look these things up. And this is one of the reasons why I haven't been able to have a drink with you guys and have a talk because it's overwhelming. First off, we know that uh, we have some serious voter integrity laws in this country and um, all of them have been ignored this last go around. (laughs) Um, That pretty much put a bullet in me. I had to get over that. Because I don't, I still don't believe that the man that's in office uh, earned that. And everything that the former administration had done to move this country forward, and it was great until COVID, has been washed out. Everything's getting more expensive. Inflation is on its way when you keep spending trillions upon trillions upon trillions upon trillions of dollars. We are watching them twist the words into meanings that don't really exist. And it's very difficult to not feel like you want to become radicalized. But I want to tell you this as my final message. The reason they came into prominence, the left, is because they radicalized. And at some point, we are going to have to find a way, much like the Tea Party did, to do the very same thing. Or we have officially cut the throat of this republic. Anyways, uh, that was my uh, that was my best stab at a grand reopening. So, I hope uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend. Um, God bless you all. God bless the United States of America. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ben Speaks.